This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Hustler-Patterson with you along with Michael Remus. We got a big show today, a big weekend coming up, and a big game tonight to kick off the NFL season. Great to have you all with us. Uh, coming up on the program, we are going to have Murata Tesh join us. It's been a little while since we've spoken with Murata. Of course, he was on holidays for a bit, but he is back, locked and loaded, ready for Winnipeg Jets training camp. And he also has been polling you, the fans of the Winnipeg Jets. So we'll uh, bring Murata on. Uh, talk about a few of the big stories around the National Hockey League and get to the results of the Winnipeg Jets fan poll. Of course, it's Banjo Bowl week, the return match here in Winnipeg after the Bombers' big thumping of the Riders on Sunday in Regina in the Labor Day Classic. Darren Bombing is going to pop by. I, I will tell you, take you behind the curtain. Um, Dustin Nielsen was going to come on today. We were going back and forth as to when we were going to do the interview because he's got some prep and meetings going on for the broadcast this afternoon. So we attempted to do a uh, an interview this morning. Um, I'm not sure. I'll just say this. Dustin might need to turn into a landline guy because we had to do it over the phone. And to say the reception gave us issues was an understatement of all time. Uh, so we're going to try and salvage some of that. Uh, but of course, I guess speaking of Dusty, one of the other reasons why I wanted to get him on, in addition to talk about the game he called last week and the big game he'll be calling on TSN here in Winnipeg on Saturday, uh, was to let you all know, if you aren't already aware, that myself, Dustin, Chris Abbott from Cool Bet, are going to be doing a little live taping of the lock shop over at Boston Pizza City Place tomorrow night, Friday, 7 p.m. So if you are in town for the weekend, you don't already have any big plans on Friday, why don't you come down for a couple, grab a pie, maybe some wings, hang out with us at BP City Place. Uh, we'll bang out a lock shop and uh, turn it into a little bit of a Winnipeg Sports Talk meetup as well. So we'd love to see you out there, especially all you regulars in the chat uh, would love, would love to have you guys come and hang out with us to kick off what should be a really, really fun weekend. So that's Friday, tomorrow, 7 p.m., Boston Pizza City Place. Um, before we get going, I do want to thank all of our sponsors that make this show happen every day. Manitoba Battery, Little Brown Jug, Royal Sports, Canadian Club, Not Auto Corp, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Assiniboy Downs, Breezy Bend Country Club, and of course, Cool Bet Canada. And speaking of Canadian Club, uh, we'll talk about this a little later on the program, but if you have not already entered, get on over to our Instagram page, at Sports Talk WPG. There is a post. We are going to the top shelf of the CC cabinet for a special Bangible giveaway, and that is the Canadian Club Chronicles 42-year-old whiskey I think this bottle is just south of about 300 bucks. So a very special prize for Banjo Bowl Week. We'll be giving it away tomorrow. We'll pick the entrance from the Instagram entries. We'll crank it out on a marble race tomorrow afternoon. There's the post as Remus is showing you if you're watching us live on YouTube. So make sure to get over there, follow us, read the instructions, 
And we'll be finishing off another great week on WST, getting ready for the Banjo Bowl tomorrow night and the meetup at Boston Pizza with the best giveaway we have done yet. And a big thanks to James and the gang over at Canadian Club for giving us such a great prize to uh, get people hyped up for Banjo Bowl week. All right, let's get Remus in here. Uh, We are, as I mentioned, we were planning on having Dusty. I don't know how much of this Dusty interview we're actually going to be able to play for you because of how bad the reception was. Uh, But... Darren bombing to the rescue. We're actually going to plan on having DB on in the next couple days, either before or after the Banjo Bowl. DB is just coming back from practice before the Zoom meetings get going. So we're going to bring Darren on in about 10 minutes or so to uh, get the latest from Bomber practice, get his thoughts on the win, as well as the rematch coming up on Saturday. We'll talk NFL. Big, big win for Canada last night. We've got the tennis going on and, uh, of course, NFL kickoff. And as well as some news in the National Hockey Loosh, maybe we'll get to right off the bat with Michael Remus, who joins me now. Remo, what's going on? How, how are you? And by the way, I see the audio gremlin. The audio gremlin has great anticipation for if the audio gremlin was with us when we were trying to do this interview earlier, it would it may have put the WST audio gremlin over the edge. Um, we'll see, as I mentioned, what we can salvage. But uh, Remo, get in here. What's up? Yeah, so I'm I'm rattled from that dusty interview. We had to scramble. His internet died, and we tried to tape it. And his his phone was just not not having it. I've seen seen some bad ones, but enough about that. Uh, you know, we're counting down NFL today. I'm starting to get ready for my week one fantasy. We you know put out a DraftKings contest. I think they are they're full already. You may have to make it. Are you uh, serious? The CFL Ooh, is full. Everyone's ready for kickoff. Okay, the CFL one is definitely full, and I'm I was surprised because a couple weeks ago we were having trouble filling it, and now I'm pretty sure NFL is there's three spots left in our NFL DraftKings. Fifty people, three dollar, uh, three dollars to enter. So that's awesome. And uh, we're counting down to the Banjo Bowl CFL Week One. The Bombers. We'll get into the injury updates with Darren. Big thanks to him for uh, hopping in here on very short notice before the Zoom call. And we did actually have some uh, hockey news. The Jets releasing their promo schedule today. We can go through that and see what we're going to be adding to our collections this season. But we did also have some NHL notes that came out after the show yesterday. Well, yeah, and, and you know, I, I did. Uh, I was on with uh, with the guys in Calgary afterwards, and just as I came on the program with them, uh, I heard Will Nault talking. I guess Will's a, a Bruins fan and was very nervous about the statements of Patrice Bergeron, who was asked about his playing future at the end of this season. And I, I got to tell you, Reem, it was stunning to me that now he's 36 years old. He's going to be 37 at the end of this season. And he, I don't know, I mean, he's just played at such a high level for so long. It's sort of taken for granted that he's going into his 18th season in the National Hockey League. Um, which makes it even more impressive that he is all but a lock on most people's list to be a member of Team Canada. But it's sort of weird. I mean, he is, you know, in a lot of ways, the, the Bruin. Um, played his entire career there. Uh, I'm sure we'll finish there. But there are some Bruins fans that were a little bit nervous that could this be the swan song, the final year of Patrice Bergeron in black and gold. Uh, but from one black and gold to the other, the big news yesterday to the National Hockey League is this wrist surgery for Sidney Crosby. And, uh, you know, the fact that this is taking place right now, I mean, my first question is why? I mean, how do you not get this done earlier in the summer? But from all accounts, Sidney Crosby had been doing everything he could to try to avoid surgery. 
Uh, but at this point, they realize that the longer they wait, and if they have to do it, you're really eating into the regular season. So there's a good chance Sid the Kid won't be there for the Penguins opener, could miss potentially a week or so of the regular season. And of course, Evgeny Malkin is recovering from off-season surgery as well and might not be there. So wouldn't that be strange to see the Pittsburgh Penguins drop the puck without 66, without 87 <laughs> That was about 66. 66 will certainly yeah. not be in the without, lineup. But without 87, without 71, Evgeny Malkin, the two current superstars following in the footsteps of the great Mary Lemieux, who now happens to own the team. Yeah, without 66 and 68. What year is this? 1991? <laughs> um, it is. I agree. It is. And, um, you know, Crosby, I think that's, isn't that what uh, Kucherov did last year? Tried to rehab as much as he could. And then, oh, I guess he needed surgery right before the start of the season. But this isn't as long-term. Sounded like a four to six uh, week thing they tried. I think this is the one. Is this the wrist that he had uh, injury on in the past? And, you, I mean, you hope he can come back healthy. Because, I mean, who cares about the Penguins? We want him healthy for Team Canada at the Olympics. That's that's when the real uh, season starts. So, um, you know, it is, you know, a bit odd, you know, seeing him and Malkin potentially out with Pittsburgh. But... Hey, these guys, I mean, you mentioned uh, Patrice Bergeron, 36. I was like, oh, is he 36 already? That that totally caught me off guard. Man, Well, what caught me off guard is that he's been in the league for 18 years, and he's 36. I mean, he started when he was 18. Uh, Crosby as well started very young, 34, and he's been in the league since um, after the, you you know, you say after the lockout now or after the shortened season, and it's amazing how (laughs) many there have been with the pandemic and multiple lockouts, so... I guess since what? Oh, after the 0405 lockout. So since 05, Crosby's been in the league. So we're coming up. I mean, was that 16 years for him? Is my math is correct? 05? <laughs> you know, um, Brown Eyed Girl MJD, we did not mean to trigger you like this with this, uh, with this news. Uh, I, I know, you know, I mean, the Boston Bruins is in her icon in the YouTube chats. So we knew she was a big Bruins fan. I have actually let her know my feelings on the Bruins overall in the past. But uh, in all seriousness, I can see she's uh, Bergie is not leaving Boston. All caps, not apologizing for the all caps. I don't think he'll leave Boston, but at some point he's going to stop playing. And uh, first it's Krejci. uh, And, and, you know, Krejci had been a guy that had been, you know, a mainstay for the better part of what a dozen years plus. Uh, And now Bergeron. Um, yeah. Which I think the fact of the matter is that if Bergeron is thinking about potentially not playing after this year, uh, it really becomes even more of an all-in year for the Boston Bruins. I mean, they do have a lot of great young players, but they are sort of, you know, run from Bergeron. Brad Marchand still has a, a, a lot of gas in the tank. Um, and I guess, you know, thinking about Boston too, what's up with Zidane Chara? Have we seen the last of him, Remus? He played almost 20 minutes last year for the Capitals. I don't know why they're, I mean, you would think that there would be a spot somewhere in the NHL if he did want to keep playing. Yeah, and Tuka Rask as well, we've talked about it. He's kind of going with, only wants to play in Boston. And he's going to sign, I joke, the Roger Clemens deal where he uh, doesn't travel and just plays home games. So <laughs> Home games only. Uh, yeah, he'll sign halfway, you know, right before the uh, deadline. Uh, Rask. So, um, I, I mean, I'm just speculating there. I'm not sure, but I mean, the Boston, the Boston Bruins era, which probably should have had an additional cup other than the one um, that they, you know, beat Vancouver in seven games. But it's come. It seems like that era coming to an end. Krejci, you know, moved on. Uh, Bergeron says his contract's up, and then he'll talk about it. 
Um, you know, he'll talk about it next year. And we'll see what happens. I mean, Brown and Girls says he's not leaving, but I mean, he's going to take it year to year. Does he go somewhere else? I mean, I, I have no idea. That would be so odd to see him. No. I think we'll have to wait and see. But uh, yeah, the Bruins, the Bruins there, Chara, we're waiting to see. It's kind of uh, humming along. And you know, it was 10 years ago they won. So these guys are getting up as, you know, you're looking up. You're like, oh, Bergeron, 36, 18 years in the league. It's wild. He was no, on that 04 uh, junior team. I was starting to remember uh, the powerhouse team or what, 05, oh, wow. whatever. And because um, he had already played in the NHL, and there was the lockout, and he was like as an 18 year old on that on that team. So I mean, it's been feels like yesterday, Hus, but apparently it was 18 years ago. We are old. That's yeah. uh, it's always interesting to have these conversations, whether you get completely dated and realize, good God, you know, we've been watching this game for a long time, and we're now at the point where we're seeing guys play incredible extended Hall of Fame careers. And talking about them playing in the World Junior Hockey Championships. Yeah. So but, that's where we're at. But it's funny how Bergeron is saying, you know, he's going to take it year to year after this season. You know, he has this, what, eight-year deal. But he, we're putting him in. He is a lock for Team Canada. And that just shows you the level that this guy is still playing at. And he's, I don't know, being not open about uh, what what the future is. So I'm, I'm Boston fans, you know, well, I think he's being very open about the future. He Sorry. doesn't know. He's not committing to a year after yeah. this. He's playing his contract. I mean, the guy's going to be 37 next summer. He might retire. That's not that's but he's not pl- crazy. There's but a he's lot pl- of... Yeah. He's still an elite player in the league, oh, though. Oh, 100%. 100%. And that would be wild for him. I mean, elite players do hang it up early. I mean, we, Calvin Johnson won uh, with, with the Lions, uh, you know, is one that you think about, or... But it means like he hasn't really like battled any serious injuries. I guess maybe concussion in the past. But I mean, to just uh, hang it up. I mean, hopefully he doesn't. We'll have to wait and see. Well, yeah, that was a big story. Sidney Crosby being yeah. out potentially for the beginning of the season. Another story, and I guess one other kind of a good uh, a good news story today in the NHL. Uh, David Backus signs mm-hmm. a one year deal with the St. Louis Blues to retire a Blue. Uh, in a lot of ways, you know, I, I sort of felt for Bacchus the last couple of years because, you know, he did earn the contract and, you know, he was giving it to him, but it did not work out when he left St. Louis. And, you know, I think he's such a proud guy that had a strong career being, you know, in the press box or a fourth liner or on the edge of being a, in a lineup and making the money that he was making the last few years. Listen, I'm not feeling sorry for him, but I'm sure that was difficult for him. He knew that it was time to retire, and it certainly makes sense that he would go back to St. Louis, sign that deal. And uh, I, I, He seems like the sort of guy that I could definitely see having a life in hockey, whether it be coaching uh, from a development role, um, because he's a guy that did so many different things, especially for the St. Louis Blues at the height of his career. Yeah, I was a big David Backus guy, a big center. Oh, sorry, did I say one year? I meant one day contract. That yeah. Would, <laughs> yeah, no, he's not playing this year, folks. One he's, day contract. Yeah. Got got to put the jersey on one more time, thank the fans, and officially retire. Yeah, not I mean, one year. Thank you, Mitch. 727 <laughs> uh, games, 900 with the Blues, 965 total. Uh, nominated for the Selkie, a bunch. I mean, he was on some Blues teams that were always favorites in the playoffs, but never got it done. And they didn't win the cup until he moved on. But, I mean, he was part of some some great teams. I remember uh, Andy McDonald, you know, David Perron, those guys were always very good, but they just couldn't quite get it done in the playoffs. And he signed the big contract and wasn't 
the same player. And, you know, the, because the Blues walked away from that deal, I mean, they were able to bring on other pieces, uh, you know, take away, take up that salary spot. And, and it did take him to a cup. But, I mean, he'll always be uh, known as a St. Louis Blue, even though, you know, since 2016 17, he's been on Boston and Anaheim and in and out of the lineup. But, um, congratulations to him on a on a great career, uh, David Backus. Age he's yeah. now he's age thirty seven. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, that's well, he seems to have a lot more miles on the odometer than Bergeron. But Bergeron, in fact, I think you know has been in a situation that you know, he's been, um, you know, playing hard minutes, big minutes against the best in the league, pretty much for his entire career. That's why he's going to be on Team Canada for Beijing. Frosty says Pitts has some LTIR money to play with. Uh, I mean, he's going to miss probably a week of the season. I don't think the I don't think LTIR is going to be uh, is going to be an issue uh, anytime soon. All right, DB's coming up uh, in just a second. Let me give a shout out to Donnie and the gang over at Manitoba Battery. Manitoba Battery Distributors, our newest sponsor. You can find them at 1026 Logan. They are. The battery guys for everything, automobile, industrial, farm, motorsports, boats, quads, sea sleds, UPS backup uh, supplies, MediChair batteries. They've got it all. Right now, of course, it's getting cooler out. We know winter is right around the corner. couple things that you want to know right now. A September special for the maintainer for the battery for your summer car, your boat, your camper, things you use in the summer. You stick this sucker on it, it charges it intermittently through the winter so that when you get to the spring and you want to get back in it, it works like a charm. It's a $20 special. That's the maintainer. And Manitoba Battery has the lowest, best prices on batteries in the city, and they'll deliver citywide. Save it. Get it delivered directly to your spot for less than it would cost you to go and pick one up at Costco. Manitoba Battery, 783-8787. You can give them a call or find them online at manitobabattery.com. Little Brown Jug's got a lot going on. Uh, Happy Pride Week, everybody. A big Pride patio party tomorrow at Little Brown Jug and this week at the Tap House or online at littlebrownjug.ca. You can get the very special edition Little Brown Jug 1919 cans and uh, $1 from each can is going to Pride, Winnipeg, and friends. And by the way, if you're popping down a little brown jug tomorrow night for the patio party on Friday, um, you can also bring donations to the Sunshine Fund. And Burger Week is continuing. We're going to have to get Kira from Little Brown Jug on. I think she is now up to 48 burgers. Um, follow the Instagram feed, Burgers on the Brain, for more info on that. Uh, but a dollar off. Pints in 1919. We tried the Burger Eek entry at Seba Waterfront Cafe, Block and Blade Restaurant, the Merchant Kitchen, and Saffron's Restaurant. And I would certainly suggest if you're getting ready for a tailgate before the Banjo Bowl, you get the good stuff, some of that 1919 or maybe the summer lager. They do have a special in summer lager kegs right now. Find out more at their little brown jug social media feeds. All right, let's get bombing in here. We got a few minutes with him before he gets ready to hear from the bombers. On the uh, the daily Zoom chart after practice, DB, what's going on? Thanks so much for jumping on with us. Uh, it's good to be with you. What's happening today? Well, what is happening now? Uh, getting ready for NFL kickoff tonight. Uh, tomorrow, yes. we're going to have some fun down at BP. Dusty and I are going to do a little live lock shop and welcome some people down. And I figure Friday at the Banjo Bowl, Week One NFL. Hard to imagine a better weekend to uh, get together. Everyone is fired up, and certainly Bomber fans are fired up, ready for a sold out Banjo Bowl which was announced yesterday by the football club. 
And even more excitement considering the way they beat the Riders down at Mosaic Stadium. Uh, first off, what did you think of the Bombers' performance on the weekend? Well, once again, Hustler, this Blue Bombers defense is showing what it is. The best group in the entire CFL. I don't even know if there's an offense that's more impressive as a singular phase in the CFL today than this Blue Bombers defense. You look at their four wins, six points allowed, seven points allowed, a high of 16 points allowed against the Calgary Stampeders, and then just eight points in the Labor Day Classic against this Blue Bombers defense. The offense is doing what it needs to do, but they really don't have to do too much other than control the ball. Andrew Harris is shown to, to be uh, exactly who he was in 2019, continues to be extremely uh, effective and punishing, running the football. The offensive line is doing their job for the most part. They've had a couple blips this season, but nothing really to write home about uh, in any area of concern. But this defense, th- this is the real thing that that tells me and paints the picture, Hustler. I don't know if anybody in uh, Winnipeg listens to visiting media sessions as much as Chris Walby does and as much as I try to do. We watch the Argos ahead of the bomber two games against the bombers. We watch the Stampeders. We watch the Tie Cats. We watch the Rough Riders now for two weeks. And the overwhelming uh, sentiment shared by those oppositions of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers is that this defense is not just good. It's that they don't really know what to expect. Three-man fronts, four-man fronts, even just two defensive linemen at times. You throw in Shane Gauthier, Jesse Briggs, Adam Big Hill drops to safety. Nobody knows what the Blue Bombers are going to throw at their opponent, not from just week to week, but from series to series and even down to down when a six or seven year veteran Canadian and special teamer like Shane Gauthier is out on the field for the first snap of the game. It wasn't just uh, Cody Fajardo who was surprised. It wasn't just Jake Mayer in that Calgary game who was surprised. Everybody was surprised. They're fooling everybody right now and they're fooling them into almost no touchdowns against this season they are that good and they're the reason the blue bombers are first in the cfl hey i i I, let me ask you about big hill i've been so impressed i mean he seems to be playing at his at the height of his powers right now which is impressive considering the time off and maybe it helped him as much as anybody else but there are two games in a row in key points late in the game where the bombers were protecting the lead Richie Hall's moving him into the secondary. I mean, he's essentially playing as the last man back. I can't remember. Did that happen last year? Is that a new wrinkle that the Bombers have sort of introduced for the 2021 season? Yeah, it might have happened before here in Winnipeg. I know for sure it happened when Adam Big Hill was the weak side linebacker with the BC Lions. Solomon Mimian in the middle. They moved Adam Big Hill all over the field. The Blue Bombers do it in, in such um, you know a, a different way. Brandon Alexander at safety. Uh, whoever's at the dime from week to week. It's been Alden Darby, Shane Goche, Jesse Briggs. They move all of these guys in, in so many different ways. And when you have Adam Big Hill 
who at times will line up between the defensive tackles and take on the center, essentially like as a nose guard, um, and then also drop back to linebacker and then all the way back to safety. They'll bring Brandon Alexander to the line of scrimmage. The dime back will drop to more of a line, a traditional linebacker spot. He'll play off the edge and blitz the quarterback. It, it, it's so confusing for everybody watching, let alone the opposing quarterback and center that need to call at the line of scrimmage so often a change in protections. It's giving opposing quarterbacks fits. And in listening to Cody Fajardo's comments this week, following what he described as one of the worst games, if not the worst game of his professional career, um, he's essentially putting everything on himself. He had a bad day at the office. He needs to be better. Everything he's putting on his own shoulders. But it's not just because he woke up on the wrong side of the bed or he ate a bad taco. The Blue Bombers defense is giving him fits and he really doesn't know what's coming at him next. These two games, Winnipeg and Saskatchewan, will be two games, as we always do, talk about in October and November, and this year in the playoffs into December as reasons why one team might have home field advantage in the playoffs, or even the reason why one team is not in the playoffs this season. But these two teams, they're the two best in the CFL right now. They're going to meet again after this Banjo Bowl, which just adds a little bit more powder to the keg uh, that is the potential explosion uh, of, of just you know passion and energy at IG Field on Saturday. Yeah, the Bombers are uh, taking care of uh, Cody's love of corn dogs for a couple weeks, I think. No victory corn dogs here in Winnipeg this weekend, guys. Um, Naaman Roosevelt, we saw out on the field today, not practicing with the ones. I mean, uh, give us a quick update on what you saw, DB, and uh, any injury news of uh, of note coming out of today's practice. Yeah, good news, bad news. We'll, we'll start with Naaman Roosevelt and no injury there, but they're easing him in. There's no reason to rush him in uh, to the Blue Bombers starting receiving core. He just arrived here had one practice before the Labor Day Classic. He'll get a few more in. Maybe we'll see him uh, in that game against Edmonton before the Blue Bombers first buy. Charles Nelson watching practice today as well. I don't know if there's going to be too many changes. We'll have to see what walkthrough brings uh, on Friday. Um, Who returns? I mean, if Nelson is out, what does that do to the return game? Yeah, it's looking like Calvin McKnight. And, and, you know, I'm glad you brought up the returners because, you know, we'll, we'll get more into the injuries later. Of course, Friday is always the day yeah. we get a better picture but as far as the return game lots of fans out there you know crying foul of, of charles nelson or you know we need janarian grant back is is a very common sentiment amongst blue bombers fans right now i don't know you like you could put almost anybody back there right now what i'm seeing from the blue bombers return game is much bigger than just the returner it's much more systematic and i think um you know the blue bombers are well equipped to fix this problem, but no doubt in my mind, it is an issue right now. I asked Mike O'Shea about it. Um, you'll be able to hear those comments. Uh, you know, when Chris Walby joins me uh, for game day, Winnipeg ahead of the banjo bowl uh, on bonfire sports, YouTube page. Um, but you can tell uh, that they're not pleased with the way things are going. Mike Miller has double-digit special teams tackles already. I think he's at 13 or 14. Maybe he, 13. he literally makes a tackle every single time. There's this, every it, game. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I almost and want to bet people. I'll bet you 24 makes the tackle the minute they're starting to kick because you'd yeah. finish way far on the positive side if you made that bet every single kick. 
So there's the two sides to the Blue Bombers special teams right now. Struggles in the return game that they need to figure out. And then just how good their cover teams have been. Uh, Mike Miller had one of the most impressive special teams tackles two weeks ago at home against the Stampeders, where he was an absolute rocket to the returner on the near sideline on the TV broadcast uh, and on the, the west side of IG Field. It was called back because of an offside on, on one of the Hallett brothers. I can't, I can't keep the two separated. I have no idea which is which. It's N. Hallett on the, the play-by-play uh, on the stats and uh, tricky enough uh, with them being you know nearly identical brothers. <laughs> um, but that tackle was one of the best I've seen. It was negated. No worry. Mike Miller went, I think he had two more later in that game. He had three or four in the Labor Day Classic. 25 tackles during a CFL season, 25 special teams tackles is nearly unheard of. It happens. It's a phenomenal year. I'd put it on par with like a 40 or a 45 goal season or a 1200 yard receiving campaign uh, in football. Uh, 25 special teams tackles is going to be shattered by Mike Miller if he stays on the pace he is. And this is a guy that's been in the league long enough to be the all-time leader passing Jason Araki, passing Mike O'Shea, passing Wade Miller, and all those guys atop the list. He is playing as well today as he ever has in his CFL career. Miller, Big Hill, Andrew Harris. Age seems, uh, you know, a non-factor to these guys. They're playing fantastic right now. So far, so good. Darren Bombing is with us. Bonfire Sports is where you can find all of his content. As you mentioned, I know you got to go do these Zooms, but you mentioned Big Chris Walby. Um, all the shows are great, but the one before the Banjo Bowl is a special one. Uh, when will people be able to see that? By the way, the link is in the chat right now. If you haven't seen it, if you're with us live on YouTube, get over there, give him a sub sub and make sure you cash it. Um, I know Walby's going to have a lot of takes from what he saw last week and what he oh, hopes yeah. to see on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I've been chatting to uh, 63 this week. He's fired up. He's got some opinions. Uh, we're going to, you know, hear from uh, both sides. Uh, Craig Dickinson had a good exchange with him. Um, you know, some of the areas that the Saskatchewan Rough Riders hope to be better. And of course, the Blue Bombers hoping uh, that they're on the right side of the ledger once again to sweep this season series. YouTube.com slash Bonfire Sports. Shout out to Remo. Appreciate you putting that in the chat. Uh, we'll have that uh, pregame ready for you first thing Saturday. Saturday when you wake up uh so get it in while you can we've had a lot of people watching it during the game so you're listening to dusty call it on tsn and then uh you know uh watching uh, uh our uh, pregame show on youtube as well so it's been a heck of a lot of fun and appreciate all the viewers excellent so saturday morning it'll be good to go bombing Walby game day winnipeg on bonfire sports bombing hope to see you at some point on the weekend uh this is uh what it's all about we're out of labor day banjo bowl nfl kicking off this is a good time to be a football oh, fan have no a great question. day pal youtube there he is darren bombing uh, appreciate db jumping on we uh, had to work the schedule around a little bit because as uh, we mentioned the wst audio gremlin was live and in full effect before the show even started. Well, it was actually more the Dustin Nielsen phone gremlin. Uh, but we do have about five minutes with Dusty. We'll get to in just a minute. Do want to thank our friends over at Royal Sports. I do believe there is a couple of WST hats left. If you are looking for one of them, I'm not wearing mine right now. Uh, but Royal Sports is the place to go. Or you can check our website at winnipegsportstalk.com. Click on the store. Uh, But Royal Sports, as you well know, is the sports store in Winnipeg and Manitoba. And frankly, one of the the best stores 
on the face of planet Earth. It's been my favorite for over 25 years, and uh, they've been doing it for over 35 years, not only as the best spot for merchandise in the city of Winnipeg when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets, the National Hockey League, the Blue Bombers, the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, soccer across the world, but they have the experts when it comes to hockey equipment, the best gear, the newest gear, and uh, just an absolutely ridiculous selection of sticks. So if you're getting ready to get back on the ice, you can take care of everything down with a visit to our friends, the Hasbeaks and their great staff at Royal Sports. And I should mention, still hiring as well. So maybe you've got a, a hockey player in the family that's looking for some work outside of their schedule. They'll take care of you. Pop down with the resume or hit them up on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina. And uh, the Canadian Club Contest is live, everybody. I told you we had something special for Banjo Bowl Week. I said we were going to the top shelf. And that's exactly what we have done. It is the 42-year-old special edition Canadian Club Chronicles that we've got a bottle for. Uh, You can see the post right there if you're watching on YouTube. Get on over to our Instagram Tag a friend. Let your friends know to get in. Uh, We'll be pulling entries from the Instagram contest for tomorrow's marble race. And at the end of Friday's show, someone's going to have their weekend made knowing that they are the recipient of this amazing bottle of 42 Canadian Club Chronicles. That's over on Instagram. And for those of you that love the great taste of CC, you'll uh, have plenty of options at the game on Saturday to, to fill it up. Uh, Of course, Canadian Club, official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, available throughout IG Field, especially in that north end zone around the Brugal Rum Hut and the Jim Beam Still House. Big thanks to James and Canadian Club for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And speaking of that, I cannot wait to get together. Coolback Chris is coming in. We know we're going to be doing our, uh, our event Friday at Boston Pizza, but we're also going to bring Chris to his first Bomber game, doing that with our friend Trevor Knott and Knott Autocorp. And uh, we'll get out in that tailgate section beforehand. Uh, maybe see you there as well. Uh, Not longtime supporter of the Bombers and uh, just one of the great corporate citizens, been with us since day one here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, and they continue to grow. Uh, the new car lab just about to officially open at Knott Autocorp. Uh, but in the meantime, pop by, see the incredible Teslas, Range Rovers, Benzes, uh, but really cars of all makes and models. And if they don't have what you are looking for, they'll help you get it. Before you do anything, when it comes to a new vehicle, why not? Talk to the experts at Not Autocorp, Waverly and McGilvery, or you can check them out online at Not.ca. They'll consign your present vehicle. They'll service your vehicle. They'll detail your vehicle. They got it all over at Not Auto Corp. Big thanks to Trevor and Not for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And I should give a shout out to uh, the Berg. You know, when I think of DQ Nick, it's all about ice cream. It's all about blizzards. It's all about those amazing cakes. And as a burger guy myself, it is also about that ultimate DQ grill burger. I'll tell you what Nick has been doing. I'm not sure whether he is just a burgermeister and one of the true burger aficionados that loves La Burger Week. Or maybe he's scouting for the next great DQ creation. But DQ Nick uh, is putting up some numbers when it comes to the Burger Week right now. Uh, and I know we've all put up some numbers when it comes to blizzard consumption all season long. Go visit the D- uh, Nick and Nikki at any of their four locations. DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, or DQ St. Anne's. And if you do have a party or an event that you'd like one of those amazing DQ cakes for... 
get in in advance. Hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll have it ready for you when you pop by to pick it up. All right, let's get Michael Remus back in here. And Remo, while I was speaking with Darren Bombing about the upcoming Banjo Bowl on Saturday, I know you were looking to see sort of what we were able to salvage from the uh, WST audio gremlin impacted conversation we had with the man who will be calling Bombers Riders on Saturday. That, of course, is TSN's Dustin Nielsen. Yeah, we got about five uh, solid minutes of that. If you want to you want to give her on that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, so, as I said, we were hoping it would be longer, uh, but it was great. We did get a bomber update from practice from Darren Bauman, got some of his thoughts going on. Uh, but as I mentioned, Dusty's coming in. We're going to be doing the show at um, BP tomorrow night, Friday at 7 p.m. So we touched on that and got his thoughts on what he saw and the environment at Mosaic Stadium when he was calling the Labor Day Classic on the weekend. So uh, here's a little bit of our conversation with Dustin Nielsen from the last hour. I am very much excited to get the band together and uh, see some of our pals and listeners out tomorrow night at BP. How cool is that going to be? Oh, man, it's going to be absolutely incredible. I'm just looking forward to you. I finally met Chris Abbott last night for the first time because he was on a trip through Edmonton. So we took him out for dinner on, uh, on Wednesday night. And now we both get to come to Winnipeg, which is going to be awesome. And not only, I mean, it would be great to do a show anytime, but I mean, we're kicking off week one of the NFL season. It's the day before the banjo bowl. We've got our circle picks to do. Like this is, this is the ultimate extravaganza. Like this is everything coming together for us perfectly this weekend. So I'm, I'm pretty fired up to do it. And hopefully we can meet a few fine folks down there as well. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, folks, if you're not already booked Friday night, pop on down, hang out with us, Boston pizza city place, 7 PM. Uh, I do want to get to NFL, but let's start off with the banjo bowl. I mean, you were there, you've called a number of CFL games, but that had to have been right up, uh, up there. And what was the atmosphere like? How was the experience for you? And what did you think of that dominant defensive performance by the blue and gold? Yeah, it was pretty incredible just to be there, to call that. I used to be there, let alone call the game. I mean, I was pretty excited just to be there and take in that atmosphere. It was incredible and on both sides. I mean, I thought the Bombers fans represented pretty well as well. And then, I mean, the fact that Winnipeg, you know, they went out, makes this Toronto win look even more impressive because Winnipeg looks beatable. Like, they're beatable, but they dominate right now on the defensive side. Like, when you've got Big Hill doing what he's doing early in the season and still looking as good as he is. And then you combine it with Jefferson and Jeff code. It's just an unfair advantage. Like I feel awful for coach Fajardo last game. And Fajardo, you know, he missed on a few throws that he probably should have had. He's obviously missing his biggest playmaker as well. in Evans, and Evans, and that's, that's not going to help him at all. But how many times did he step back in the pocket and he had to either run directly to his left or directly to his right? Cause it was Jefferson or Jeff code coming at him right away. So those two guys, I mean, that was a nightmare on the road with the Bombers. I can't imagine when they get home and have that crowd uh, on their side as well. So I, uh, I think I think the Riders are going to be in tough. But you know, we saw them start three and zero. I think it was Jefferson said Jefferson said they hadn't played anybody. So I mean, maybe he was right in the end. But uh, we'll see what Cody Fajardo's made of going on the road there for the Banjo Bowl. Yeah, I think this will be a a big test for the Riders. I mean, we knew that when these two teams were going at it. And honestly, if you go back in history, you can often just throw the records out because, you know, teams will rise up. But the bottom line is it's been tough to win on the road in either of these venues. And for the Bombers to have, to play the way they did, allow less than 10 points. I mean, a big feather in the cap for Richie Hall in that defense. 
Uh, and it does put a lot of pressure on the riders. Uh, that being said, Dusty, and we talked about this yesterday on the lock shop, I do expect more from Saskatchewan coming into Winnipeg. Um, you know, I think that the Bombers will try and do similar things to what they did uh, in the Labor Day Classic game. But, you know, Jason Moss is going to have a number of days to work on some tape, get into practice. And, you know, they will have to try to, you know, attack the Bomber defense maybe in a few different ways. But the bottom line is, if they don't do a better job on the line of scrimmage to the aforementioned Willie J and Jackson Jeffcoat, um, it's going to be pretty difficult for Cody Fajardo to generate much downfield, especially when you see the way the Bombers' secondary, led by Brandon Alexander, is playing right now. Yeah, like if I mean, if you're the Riders, I mean, you're bringing some extra guys on the line to help to slow down Jeff Cody Jefferson. I think it's at the point where you might not have an option to do that. And if you are that, maybe you're trying to run the ball a bit more. Didn't really seem. I think I could be wrong, but I think at halftime Powell had like four carries, and he's a good running back. And the Bombers, as good as their defense has, heading into that game, they've been allowing over 100 yards on the ground per game. So, he had found a way to run on them. DJ Foster ran on them. He, he just knew into the, into the Canadian Football League. So, um, Under will see them try to generate a little bit more of the ground here in the early going and, and maybe try to put that Bombers defense, if possible, back on their heel a bit. Uh, I think... That might be one of the things that that they would like to look at, but this is a huge thing for the Riders because I mean they're three and zero. They were they were three and zero coming off that bye week. Everything was going great. If you go into Winnipeg and lose the Banjo Bowl, and Edmonton comes home and beats Calgary, all of a sudden you're three and two with a Elks team that started the year zero and two. So uh, it's it's a pretty big game, and you know if they can go in and and pick up a win in Winnipeg, I mean all of a sudden it's a completely different conversation. So, yeah, this is, this is a big one for sure. And if Winnipeg wins it, I mean, they're in full control of the West, which I think some of us expected they might be at some point in the season, maybe just not this early. All right. There is, uh, there's Dustin Nielsen. Or what we could salvage of it. You know what I'm getting, Dusty, for Christmas, folks? A landline. <laughs> I think that's what's going to happen. Although, as you hit something there. I think we got you now. There we go. Yeah. Okay. What happened there? You hit something. Uh, I think I may have, uh, you know, just and the funny thing, <laughs> there's some heavy irony about this, folks, because I was sitting there talking about how Dusty's internet had gone out twice, and that for Christmas I was gonna get him a landline. Yeah. <laughs> and in the and, and, and in the midst of doing that, nuked nuked my own <laughs> nuked my own mic. So. The uh, I'm just I'm just looking at the chat here. You know, every now every now and then this sort of thing actually you know, I, I'm not sure if it's a good thing that we get lots of comments in the chat. I'm sure that it is, but uh <laughs> but anyways. Yeah. The audio gremlin is MVP today, I gotta say. The WST audio gremlin gremlin coming up big right now. Um we appreciate your patience, everybody. I don't know what happened there, but uh, anyways, we're back. Remo, you can hear me okay. We are yeah. uh, we're ready to go. We did have Dustin Nielsen. What I was going to say when I thought you could hear me was in addition to a few cracks about his internet and getting him a landline that I joked, but only half joking, that I'll bring extra Sharpies for Dusty tomorrow if you do want to come and meet him and the rest of the gang tomorrow at Boston Pizza. Boston Pizza, of course, is in the middle of uh, cranking out tons of burgers. Of course, they're a big part of Burger Week right now, and they've got three of them 
Uh, the crew over at BP Keniston has the the Seas Burger, which is the ultimate kitchen and bar collab. Boston Pizza's signature Caesar cocktail meets a burger. BP Taylor has the jalapeno mac and cheese burger topped with a jalapeno and bacon spiked mac and cheese served on a garlic buttered brioche bun. And BP Henderson has the bourbon barbecue bacon burger. But tomorrow, the menu will be some cold beers, maybe a couple CCs for all of you. Uh, some wings, some pizza, some hopefully good football picks for week one of our NFL Circa contest. A live lock shop, 7 o'clock Friday at Boston Pizza City Place. Hope to see all of you, uh, especially you all in the chat that join us live every day. If you can make it come down, should be uh, should be a heck of a lot of fun. All right, Reem, we're going to talk Jets with Murata Tesh coming up in a few minutes. Uh, did you see the soccer game last night? Uh, I okay, I I gotta be honest. I wasn't totally watching it. I was busy uh, tr- keeping track of all my winners at the racetrack yesterday. We can get to that, but uh, I did see my timeline blowing up that Canada was dominating, and there was a bit of a scare with an Alfonso Davies tweet in the afternoon. And yes. also, I was as much as I loved Canada's win, I was loving even more all the Americans freaking out. It's like. How many people we got in this country and we can't find 10 people to play soccer? <laughs> we can't we can't they beat, were who did they, they were down one to? nothing. They were down one nothing to Honduras at halftime. Yeah, they we, did come back. They had a huge second half and they did end up winning 3-1. Oh, win. But still but for but, Canada, Canada without Alfonso Davies. And if you're a Canadian soccer fan of which I am and I'm really getting into this men's national team and this push to try to make the World Cup, we saw the Insta post yesterday of Alfonso Davies saying something to the extent of, you know, you don't appreciate something until it's gone. Of course, he's gone. He went back to get his injury picked out. And, I mean, this was a DEFCON 5, uh, you know, complete emergency for Canadian soccer fans. I mean, this is the stud. This is the best player in CONCACAF. Um, He is our key to getting over the top and becoming, uh, you know, a part of the World Cup. So everyone was freaked out. He then clarified it, said, oh, that was just a captain a caption, tweeted out a picture of him in a Canada jersey pointing to the crest and saying he was cheering for the guys tonight. So I guess that put people at ease a little bit. What really put people at ease was uh, the fact that Canada went out, scored six minutes into the game. Uh, Hutchinson, the captain, getting the goal. And then Jonathan David, the other real star of this club, stepping up. Uh, they were up two zip. I want to say eleven in the eleventh or twelfth minute. Um, got another one a little later on and cruised to a three-one win at BMO Field. So Canada's got five points in their first three games. The draw against Honduras was a little disappointing. The draw on the road against the United States was a great result, all things considered. But they needed to get three points last night. They got it done. So I'll tell you what. Uh, Canada looking good. Next match up is next month against the Mexicans. That might be the biggest test of the entire, I believe, 12 match uh, qualifying circuit. Uh, but Canada's in good shape. And the good news is, by all accounts, Alfonso Davies will be part of that match. Um, and of course, we've got tennis coming up a little later on today. Layla Annie Fernandez, the story of the U.S. Open so far, on court against Sabalenka, the number two seed for a spot in the women's final. That's going to get going about 6 p.m. We'll hit the cool bet odds on that a little bit later on. Uh, but I'm looking forward to this next chat. Uh, I know you are as well. 
Everyone always loves when Murat Atesh of The Athletic comes on. And it's a perfect time to talk to Murat because he has been spending the last week or so talking to you with the results of the Winnipeg Jets fan poll. And uh, back from holidays and back on Winnipeg Sports Talk, it's Murat Atesh. Murat looking good. Nice lid. Yeah, you know what? I, I just I saw these things kicking around the internet and I sent some demands around to all the people that I know that I had to have these Winnipeg Sports Talk. I think it looks good. I might need a trim over here to complete the look, but other other than that, thanks so much. Hey, how have you been? How are your travels? I know you were. Uh, we spoke with you. I believe you're out and visiting some family in Montreal. Uh, did you get it all out of the system, and you're now ready to get down to it for Jets training camp in a couple of weeks? Yeah, I'm getting dialed in in a minute. In a minute, um, you know, still spending some family and special person time for the for the next few days. Uh, but when I was in Montreal, I actually I watched Sabalenka play against Victoria Azarenka. And, like, the levels that she can hit when she is on, I mean, Fernandez is going to have her hands full, but they've been such capable hands, I cannot wait for that match. That's something that we don't normally talk about tennis, but I, I'm going to get fired up about that one. Well, I, I listen, I'm glad that you've been paying attention. I mean, to be honest, this last week, these matches of Leilani Fernandez, I mean, I, I was watching the Jays and was so disappointed uh, that they were down 8-2 last Friday, that I flicked over, missed their legendary comeback. But in retrospect, I'm glad I did because the way she came back against Osaka was, I mean, that could be a career-defining win. And the fact of the matter is she followed it up with two more. I mean, the spirit, the energy, the fight in this young woman, it's absolutely infectious. And I know people around Canada are paying attention to it, but I'll tell you what, she has the people in New York City at the USTA Tennis Center eating out of the palm of her hands. And um, even though she's ranked 30, 73rd in the world and is playing a very noteworthy number two seed, she will have everybody behind her tonight when they get going at six o'clock. Yeah, absolutely. With Serena out, you know, like anyone can beat anyone when you're not when you're not including her in the, in the figure. And I think that's what makes women's tennis so unbelievably compelling. I will tell you the one last thing I got to share of my opinion about tennis is a lot of this comes from Marat's mom, the infamous Twitter personality, Marat's mom. She, she insists that when, you know, underdogs make huge comebacks or or dethrone people with high speeds. Watch out for them next game. She says there's often a little bit of a letdown. And Fernandez hasn't done that, has she? Uh, so the fact that she's able, been able to maintain that kind of level, like this is special. It is fun to be a Canadian fan of tennis right now, of soccer right now as well. Like we're hitting heights that I didn't grow up knowing that we could do that. Well, I mean, we've kind of turned into a Canadian power. I mean, uh, I'll finish this one. Since 2014. Canada, the only country on the planet to have three different women and three different men make semifinals in Grand Slams. And of course, Felix is there now for tomorrow. Leila Annie Fernandez tonight. Um, I, I don't know either how we became this tennis powerhouse, but I'll tell you what, it's a hell of a lot of fun to watch. And it has been a great ride in New York City. Uh, the ride for the Winnipeg Jets is about to start in a couple weeks. And uh, it was very interesting to see part one. And I know you were polling fans on a number of different topics, but it wasn't just, you know, about the coach, about the general manager. It was also about the fans. Before we get into what they thought about the team, Marat, what did you learn about, you know, your readers, the people that follow the Winnipeg Jets and the people that answered? Because that was amazing. Uh, it certainly all just isn't inside the city of Winnipeg or the province of Manitoba. The Jets nation is far and wide as uh, shown in your poll. 
It's worldwide. I I know from time and time in the comments, people say, hey, I'm checking in from South Korea or Brazil or Finland. But when we did this poll, there are readers and Jets fans on every continent except for Antarctica that, that we know of um, from all kinds of countries across the world. There's a ton of Jets fans who've been following Winnipeg since before I was born. Um, some beautiful stories shared, and, and I shared these in the results of you know, uh, somebody being with their dad in 1979 when the Jets won the WHA AFCO Cup championship or following the Winnipeg Junior A Jets um, against the Flin Flon Bombers in Regina in the, in the 70s, I believe it was. And then right on through to folks who, I mean, the amount of love for Dale Howarchuk in this thing was, like, incredibly moving. There, were, there was a high onion content. But one of the things, like you say, is we asked fans to tell us their stories and I shared these these really moving um, best ones and, and all these family stories, which was great for me to kind of get to know who is on the other end, which is a special special thing for me. Um, and then I feel like when you when you have a rapport, when you know a little bit more about each other, then some of the opinions get more fleshed out, right? It's you can almost expand on a hot take. If you meet, we have a rapport with each other. We've talked to each other a bunch of times, and I say something just ridiculous you know nick Ehlers should be on the number one power play unit you can ask me well why do i think that now that we have that rapport uh, established with each other i think that that's one of the best things that happens in these polls as well yeah you know it was neat and and as well as about the way that fans describe themselves and you know to me being a fan my whole life of a variety of teams um you know you you we've sort of seen how fandom has changed. And I think the internet, to be honest, has maybe been the biggest part of that. I mean, growing up, I mean, you know, you'd have to, you know, grab your post, you know, get to the AM radio and listen to the post game show to hear what people were saying about it. Or, you know, certainly here in Winnipeg, there was primetime sports back in the day that was off. Gary and I started it, but I mean, there was a limited amount of team specific content that has totally changed. And obviously the amount of available opinions on said team or any team really is so much there, but I did find it interesting the way that Jets fans describe themselves as opposed to being, you know, diehard fans that will always side with the team, diehard fans that, you know, try to look critically. And I think that I think is where people are in. I mean, you want to, you want to be a fan. You want to enjoy. I think that if you watch things critically, you know, and trying from a from a perspective of realism, it makes the things that go well worth more as opposed to just always being, um, you know, glasses full, even if you're looking and it's not empty. What did you find out about how Jet fans thought of themselves and the way that they cover and watch the team? Yeah, I was so fascinated by that one. Like some of these questions I ask because I know. You know, like let's say, you know, I make that power play joke about Nick Ehlers. You know, I, I ask who should be on the number one power play unit. And it's because I want to have that information objective. I know fans are going to want to talk about with the how do you see yourselves? That was pure me. I want to know how you think about yourselves because it's fascinating. Like I, I grew up watching sports media that was largely a limited group, almost always men, almost always white dudes in suits talking really authoritatively about what happened out on the ice. And it was exciting for me. And I thought that like, that was the one way that, that media coverage was. And I, 
I think at The Athletic, I try to make a space for if you have a differing opinion, it's safe to express that. It's safe to say, well, you know what? I love this team, but I don't like the way they do this. And so a lot of the discussion goes that way sometimes in the comment sections. And I thought, okay, well, you know, do the majority of fans like to do that? Is it a small minority? Um, And I, I was surprised to learn that more than half of fans see themselves as I support this team no matter what unequivocally. And it was something like a third, I think, um, that was talking about themselves as critical. So it was important for me to see that that's not necessarily the majority, but it's also not a small number. And there's so many different valid ways to be a fan, a love of sports. Team. Like nobody gets to tell you how to cheer for the Winnipeg Jets or the Winnipeg Blue Bombers or, or whoever your, your team or your person is. But one of the things that I think that, you know, you and me have to do that maybe for our forefathers in, in media didn't is we have, we make more space, I think, for some of that. Um, and actually, I don't know. I don't want to claim all that. But I think that there has to be space for these differing opinions and people who love a team by saying, well, actually, I think if Nick Ehlers were on the power play, it would be better. That doesn't mean they love the team any less. And if there's another fan out there saying, well, look, I trust Paul Maurice on equipment. Let's go, let's go. Like, that is also a great and valid way to, to, to love a sports team. And I, and I just like that both sides and, and many more sides get represented right now. Yeah, the timing of this, uh, I think, certainly for uh, for certain people was great. I mean, I we've talked plenty about the offseason the Jets have had, the situation coming out of last season, the things that we all agreed needed to be done and what has happened. And, you know, I joked if we had like political type ratings, Kevin Dayoff's approval rating was be as high as it's been in a long time. We'll get to that in a minute. But your question in the most basic sense, how does it feel to be a Jets fan here and now? kind of echoes a lot of the things that I've been saying. People are excited. People are fired up. And even the ones that don't want to get too far down the road of being really excited, uh, you didn't get almost anybody saying that they were downright miserable. I mean, this is a spirited group that has a lot to look forward to hearing it from them. Yeah, absolutely. I was wondering about that too, because, you know, when you get eliminated via a sweep, even if it's in the second round and it looks a certain way, and we, we've done the defense deep dives over the past two seasons, you know, there's room for fans to be disgruntled. There's room for, for that sort of thing. But the overwhelming sense, like you say, is, well, look, Kevin Sheveldayoff brought back Paul Stastny, added two top four defensemen. Suddenly there's four, there's probably five, because I'm going to include Dylan DeMello in that, defensemen who look like they've had success and have had success in a top four role and in top heavy minutes at some point in their NHL career. And a lot of the past two seasons, it's really just been Josh Morrissey and Neil Pionk. They're forward a tiny bit with Drew Doughty at one point as well. And I think that there's a sense of optimism when you see the single biggest hole on a team patched and patched in multiple ways with multiple skill sets players who are veterans, players who have a certain cachet. We've talked about these guys before as capable. And as long as they're still in their prime, as long as they're still the good versions of themselves, they can do exactly the job that's being asked of them. And everyone's optimistic in the summer, but when you can anticipate that tide rising, and then you can just picture Mark Shifley getting that breakout pass, you know, one more time per period, Kyle Connor getting the puck on his stick one more time per period. I think that everybody's happy. Uh, I'm pretty sure if you did this exact same poll with the exact same questions to the other six Canadian teams, you would not get results even close to where 
Winnipeg fans told you they are in their confidence in the overall state of the franchise. Um, if it goes from left to right, heavily weighted to the right, and that's the good thing. And, you know, and again, I have a feeling that if the moves that, you know, Chevy was able to make this year didn't happen, we're probably seeing that more into the middle. Uh, but overall, and again, recency bias is big. We haven't seen any games yet, but everything we talked about that needed to happen seemingly took place this summer and the overall state of the franchise at least from fans was uh, overwhelmingly optimistic yeah overwhelmingly and that's that's the interesting one i summertime vibes i mean bombers just beat the riders things are going <laughs> oh winnipeg right now like um but i i think it comes back to that idea of you know expectations are re- they're related sorry our satisfaction is related to our expectations and I think that for Jets fans who watched the way that the last couple of seasons went and that playoff exit went, there were some clear needs. There was an expectation that Winnipeg needed to do some things. And I look at my at my articles from that time and I reread them just to sort of like get back into that space. There were some clear to-dos, you know, upgrade the defense, navigate the expansion draft, find a way to get value from the NHL draft with only with the entry draft only having four picks. And on and on and on, make the salary cap work. And then you go through it, and not everything's perfect. I mean, this isn't 2014 Paul Stastny, but still a very good player. Um, Nick Schmidt, slight question marks about his top speed right now, but he's still a very good player. Um, the draft, Chaz Lucy is falling. Everything sort of to work out, at least somewhat in Winnipeg's favor. And you go through what we asked of them as critical observers or as fans. And if they're doing those things and you see progress in that, I think satisfaction comes with seeing your expectations met. Uh, let's talk about the question that you asked about what about Jets management in general and focusing on what they do best. And I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise that the draft was at the top of the list. And part of it goes to and I guess we can kind of put this in with what they don't do best in free agency it was interesting. I mean, I think fans 10 years in have a pretty good grasp on the challenges of this market and what this organization needs to do to be successful. And frankly, they've done that. They've drafted incredibly well. And as importantly, and this is why the whole free agency thing was interesting that they don't do it. I think people are thinking about, you know, when they talk about free agency, getting the big fish on the free agent market to come to Winnipeg, because I would actually argue that when it comes to free agency as a whole with restricted free agents and their ability to sign and retain their own players, the Jets have done that almost as well as any team in the National Hockey League. But it, it is all sort of part and parcel together. It starts with making those picks, and that stood out above everything else when you asked Jet fans what they liked and what they felt most confident about Jets management doing. Yeah, 100%. It was just, it was such a landslide, you know. I, I provided five or six different options and still more than two thirds or almost two thirds of people chose drafting as the, as the major strength. And then you look at how the team is built. You look at the superstar and goal, a late round pick who Winnipeg drafted um, and, and then showed patience with, or, you know, Mark Shifley was quite the announcement because I know it was a controversial pick with Sean on the board once upon a time, but he worked out really well. I mean, Kyle Connor as well, Nick Ehlers as well, Patrick Laine, I mean, draft lottery situation and a sad exit, but, you know, Josh Morrissey as well, Andrew Kopp, Adam Lowry, so many of the important Winnipeg Jets are homegrown. And 
Um, there have been some really key drafts in the Jets history, 2015 for sure. 2012, I believe, or 2013 was an excellent one where they had so many picks and they hit on so many as well. They've done this trick multiple times where they leave a leave an NHL draft feeling like, you know, they've done particularly well and where it's easy to say that. Um, and it's so interesting to me that number two on the list of what people have liked is developed. And so certainly development uh, means being patient with Connor Hellebuck, being patient with Logan Stanley, waiting until those things work out. Um, it also showed up as number two on the list of what they don't have confidence in management with. And so I wonder about that. And where, where does that come from? I don't necessarily know if that's Nick Patan and Sammy Niku, these sort of fringe players who could have been a little bit more perhaps, but certainly haven't become that. Could that be about Patrick Laine not being retained? Could that be about Jack Roslovic's disgruntlement? Like, I don't know where that is, but there was a really unique thread that came out where, yes, drafting by far was people's most confident aspect of this management. Development was number two most confident, but development was also number two least confident. There's a completely different subsection of fans that feel completely opposite way from them. Yeah, those those were those were part of the sixty five percent that felt that they were great at drafting, but should have done more with developing some of the players. I guess. I mean, they'd probably be in that group. I mean, it it is really interesting. So much of this is about management, and you know, we've joked that you know, if Chevy needed to, uh, there's an election going on. You put Shevel Day off on the ballot, he probably uh, could get another job or two right now in the province of Manitoba. I think everyone wants him to keep the day job and keep focusing on what he's doing. But with all of that, um, you know, comes pressure on the head coach. And Paul Maurice has been here for a long time. But I will say this, um, you know, with all the and, and sometimes and this is just the, the nature, in my opinion, of the world we live in right now with the Internet. Sometimes we take too much from the loudest voices. And, and this is not unique to hockey fandom. This is politics. This is, uh, you know, current issues. Um, this is some of the stuff that we're going through right now as a society with, you know, some of the most uh, loudest outrageous takes or the, the things that get beaten on the most almost take um, a life of their own as if more people are feeling that way just because of how loud some of those people are. And uh, the reason I bring that up is that, you know, we certainly heard, you know, a ton of criticism for Paul Maurice. Um, and I'm not saying it was not justified or justified. I, I, I'll, I'll reserve judgment on that. Everyone's got their own opinion and everyone can have their own opinion. But when you went to Jet fans and asked this question, uh, it did seem like there was a lot more time for Paul Maurice from fans that answered this than maybe what we had heard from the usual channels, which unfortunately more often than not is Paul Maurice. All that being said, with everything else that's been done in this offseason and the way management has set up this team, I think it's safe to say that the expectations are that this head coach will be able to push them through the next step now that most people agree the general manager's done a pretty darn good job of what he had to do this summer. Yeah, I think that, you know, talking about these approval ratings, it seems that Kevin Shevoldayoff's approval is, is through the roof right now is unequivocally positive. With Paul Maurice, it was a little bit more mixed, but still leaning positive. Like, you know, there were about a third of people sat on the fence that they were just completely exactly in the middle, confident in him right now. And then there were two options for more confident than that and two options for less confident than that. Um, 
And the more confident was just a few percent higher than the, the, the less. And so there seem to be different groups, a lot of people on the fence about him right now. Um, and and I wonder I wonder how events of the season sort of relate to that. Because there's one perspective from which they made the second round, they swept a very good team to get there, and perhaps that should lead to a certain degree of optimism. I mean, I personally, I like some of the forechecking adjustments. I like that, you know, star players like Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor bought into some of the passive forechecking against McDavid and Drysaddle that they needed to do to take away neutral zone space. You can get into the weave. But the thing that I'm trying to say is, I think a large part of people's disgruntlement, especially towards the end of the season, for a year that was a second-round playoff performance, was, well, there was that huge slump that they were on and the losing streak and this sense of there were there didn't seem to be answers for a really long time until all of a sudden they swept. So I think a lot of fans are going different directions about how they interpret it. Was that a successful season? Was it not a successful season? Did it meet expectations? Did it not? The one thing that's undebatable right now to me is that Shovel Dayoff has done his work. You know, Winnipeg, like I say, in my opinion, has at least four top four defensemen, maybe five, if you're willing to know that. Logan Stanley, a lot of people optimistic about him, perhaps stepping into that role. Ville Hanela waiting in the wings. Suddenly it's an above average position for the Winnipeg Jets as opposed to a weakness. Forwards are what they were. Plus, uh, you know, presumably there's a bounce back from Pierre on the way, given it'll be his first full season and a little bit calmer for him in terms of his prep. I think the expectations are high. And I think that it's a team that Paul Maurice has exactly in his image. He can run a top six forward group and then a third line with Lowry and Kopp and then whoever, whoever, that's going to be the, a question mark coming up. And I think that there's going to be a microscope on him. I don't think people are unequivocally positive or negative. I think people from this survey getting into comments are saying, well, okay, now we know you find you have for the first time in a couple of years, you have a roster, go do your best with it. See, see what you can do. And then we'll evaluate up. Now, uh, Marat, I know uh, part two is in the hopper. We're going to see it come out very soon at the athletic uh, tease. What is going to be in the uh, second part um, that readers will see in the athletic when it's officially live. Well, the big theme is asking you to make your choices. Who should be on the top power play unit? Who should be on the top line, the second line, the third line? Pick your defensive pairings. How far is the team going to go? Who's the MVP going to be? Who's going to lead the team in points as well? So there's a little bit of predictions. And and I I always love more Jets fans thought the Jets were going to make the playoffs last year than I did in power. And so Jets fans are often right about things. But also there's a definite sense of optimism right now as well in terms of what production is going to be like. I think the most fascinating thing, though, is going to be some of those battles for spots. Who plays Kopp and Lowry on that third line? Who is on the top power play unit? Is it Ehlers' time after all? And I'll tell you one, one surprising thing um, that's that, that I'll end the power play discussion on. I asked fans to choose five skaters for the top power play unit. Mark Shifley was number one with a bullet. Number two... Nick Ehlers, number three, Blake Wheeler. And I thought that that was just such a stunning turn for me. More fans want Nick Ehlers on their top power play unit than Blake Wheeler right now. And man, that's still the decided strength of Wheeler. So I thought that was an interesting one. And there's a couple of other surprising roster calls that fans made as well. Well, and, and, and you know what, Ehlers... I mean, I think most fans just agree. I mean, every time he's on the ice, he's doing something special. He's making things happen. And um, you know, people just you know want to see more of Nikol- Nikolai Ehlers. Like I, I don't think of that. I mean, the fact that Wheeler was at number three, I think, recognizes 
how productive he's been in that role. But many people going, well, what could this unit do if there was a little more 27 in it? But we'll save that for part two. That'll be out very shortly at theathletic.com. If you're not subscribed already, what the heck are you waiting for? Hey, uh, while we're at it, um, you've got another interesting piece. Uh, how pumped were you when you we finally got the word that we're going to have a legit best-on-best tournament, barring anything going south in China in February of 2022. And we've got a piece on the possible jets for those rosters. But just as someone that loves the game, um, I mean, it's been eight years. It's been too long. We need to we need to get this going again. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I know it's still anything could happen, but the intention is for NHL players to go. So, I mean, if we could you imagine us, we go this generation without Sidney Crosby and, and Connor McDavid on the same team, Canada. Like, I cannot begin to make sense of that. That is a torch passing that we as Canadians, in my opinion, need. And they're only two of an extremely star-studded Canadian group. And I know there'll be Jets that factor in. I mean, Connor Halibut could and will probably start in goal for Team USA. And if Team USA does well, it will likely have a lot to do with him. He could wear a gold medal and, in, and earn MVP honors. He could be a very player. But for me, my heart immediately goes to Team Canada. And I just think, well, think of that star power. We're going to see how that Bergeron, Crosby, um, and Marchand line ages. Will there be a torch passing? Can they still be number one? How will Nathan McKinnon fit in? And can you put McKinnon and, and McDavid on the same line? What will that look like speed-wise? Will Mark Shifley factor into this somehow? Like every kid, just an absolute kid in a candy store just trying to think about how that could all go. Well, uh, you're not the only one. I mean, we kicked it around for an hour. I mean, immediately. I mean, for those of us in the hockey content business, it's going to be the gift that keeps on giving for the next four or five months. I mean, everything that happens in the first half of the NHL, the NHL season will be under the shadow of what does this mean for insert international team X going forward? But let's talk about Shifley for a minute and Team Canada in particular. Um, you know, I, I would agree with your assessment that Josh Morrissey at this point, um, certainly nothing's off the table. If he comes in and has an unbelievable season, but it would really take that to, I think, get into the conversation. Shifley, for his part, Murat, uh, we know how important it is to be measured against the best players in the world, to have that opportunity to do that. I mean, to me, for the Jets, at least in the first half of the season, this is maybe the best case scenario. I can't imagine anything motivating Mark Shifley more in the first few months of this season than the opportunity to be a part of Team Canada and show that he belongs with the world's best. Absolutely. Notoriously competitive and with reasons to burn, right? I mean, think about the suspension. He wasn't happy about that. Think about, I'm pushing to be better than Connor, better than Sid trying to achieve recognition in that same echelon. Go back to the postseason or the qualification run against Calgary, get hurt. I mean, Mark Shifley has been missing from center stage some of the most important times of recent Jets history. He is notoriously competitive, just a fiery, passionate guy. I mean, certainly fights and swear, all of those sorts of things, but that guy burns with, with, with competition. So to arrive with something to prove based on how the playoffs arrive with something to prove wanting a spot on Team Canada to have the upgrades on defense because I think that this is a rising tide floats all boats situation where Winnipeg's going to get a few more stops. Winnipeg's going to get a few cleaner breakout passes. You know, you won't have to change a lot to put the puck on his stick in better situations 
His minus number is not going to be an issue, I don't think, this year. I don't think you're going to be able to look at too many metrics that say that Winnipeg spending all day in their own zone with him. Like, all of the things that you could even begin a nip about his game, I think that there's a great situation for him to drive himself to overcome that, and the team's going to be in a better situation as well. That's a race. I don't have him on the Team Canada unequivocally. I absolutely do not. But I have him within striking range. He's the kind of guy that I believe could push and, and have a really special season as a result. Well, and, and, and I'll say one thing. I mean, he'll have every opportunity to do that. I mean, barring injury, I mean, you know Mark Shifley's going to be out there in every situation for the Winnipeg Jets, and the team and the head coach will know that, you know, he is looking to prove, help his team win games first and foremost, but in doing that, earn a spot on Team Canada and be there with Team Canada in Beijing. Uh, the United States... Uh, far more potential players on the Jets, ironically, on Team USA than Team Canada. Uh, let's just put Connor Hellebuck in the net. He's on the team. Kyle Connor, I think, is 95% on the team. I don't know what it would take for Kyle Connor outside of potentially an injury to not have him and all those all that goal scoring on the club. Uh, Blake Wheeler is a player, I mean, I think because of his age, a lot of people might not think of him originally, but man, I went through a lot of people that follow very closely and putting together their lists, and Blake Wheeler's on more often than not. Neil Pionk's not a guy that has been mentioned on very many, and I think part of the reason is he's been sort of off the radar. We've seen what Neil Pionk's done over the last few years. Problem is, there's a lot of real strong defensemen. Talk to us about Wheeler and Pionk and your thoughts on their potential to represent their country in Beijing. Yeah, I think Blake Wheeler is at a stage where we're, or I think perhaps fans are, are, are looking at, and I'm looking at this too, I'm looking at this last season. He played through cracked ribs and there were some poor defensive performances, uh, you know, which he, as a leader, admitted to acknowledge i remember a very specific time i asked what the coverage was supposed to be he said you know what that was my shoulder check absolutely that was before the media explosion around it that was a calmer conversation and i think that it's easy to look at that and his struggles playing through that injury the big minus number his age and sort of conclude okay he must be done he must not be capable of you know of the, the height he's hit anymore i still see him as a pretty second line winger you know i I don't think that he's not a top six forward at this stage in NHL wide. And if he has a bounce back driven by good health and driven by that competitive fury, perhaps driven by power play point totals as well, and also playing in that top six, I mean, he's a very good hockey player. He comes with leadership. He comes with a strong five on five, game, which is critical. You have to be able to play against the best because the fourth line of team Canada is the best. You know what I mean? Like, there's a certain going against a power versus power sort of context that he has that experience in. And so I've seen projected lineups too that have players uh, like players off like Rust or um, or some more inexperienced ones, stars like Crosby and things like that that I feel are more right in shotgun. For me, Blake Wheeler, I have a 50-50 kind of situation. I, I, I would easily have him on that, that team in USA. I see you, Kathleen, so I'm curious. <laughs> Uh, just I'm uh, just I'm getting more heat for my uh, soliloquy, giving Dusty a hard time for his internet and getting him a landline when I had muted my own mic and uh, screwed it up. Um, don't want to forget about Pionk though. Um, as I said, how long of a shot do you think is Neil Pionk for Team USA? I think that he's in a tough spot because it's it's a situation where 
He's played in New York on a poor defensive team, no success there. These last two years, not a ton of success at Winnipeg. I'm not sure. I'm not convinced that folks know how good he is yet. Whereas the younger generation, just a few years behind him, is star-studded for the for Team USA, right? You can put Charlie McAvoy. Um, you can you can put Fox in the equation. There's there's a long list of people who may be coming up that next wave after him that are shinier and more impressive. But at the same time, let's not forget he's the sixth most productive point scorer for American Blue Liners in the last two seasons. He's put together strong five-on-five results playing against very good players, and he's done that with worse partners with no disrespect to very good players like Dmitry Kulikov and Derek Forbert. But Team USA is going to have better options for him than that. So he's in a situation where I think he could have an even stronger year this year than what we see from him just by virtue of, a, of an even better partner and a better team situation. And yet I still think there are shinier players around the NHL. For me, he's on the bubble, and it would take a real special year from him uh, for, for inclusion. Uh, just because his you know, it's exciting league-wide to a lot of folks. The most beautiful and perfect and juicily ironic thing that could possibly happen would be Neil Pionk sneak on that team at the expense of Jacob Truba. I'll just leave that there. Let, I'll, let, I'll let people chew on that for a bit. Uh, I'll tell you what, though. When I heard the news that the NHL players were going, as much as I was excited as a hockey fan, excited for all of us, and certainly it's great for the show, the guy that I was the most happy for, Murat, was Nikolai Ehlers. I mean, he, I'm not going to say single-handedly because it was a great team effort, but he led the way for Denmark, their first ever Olympic appearance um, he won't be proving anything in the first three, four months of the season, like to make sure that he's on the team or anything like that. But I'll tell you what, I mean, for a young man from a country that has been uh, really an afterthought internationally when it comes to hockey, knowing how much his father's put into the program as well. Um, it was just, I mean, that was one of the great moments of the summer from a Jets fans perspective, I think. And tell you what i mean we're we've talked more and more about people kind of finally realizing the sort of player that nikolai ehlers is um we'll do that in the regular season but just the fact that he's been able to lead his team to the olympics that experience for ehlers i think will bode him very well as an individual and a player and i think there'll be some benefits for him as a member of the winnipeg jets this season as well well absolutely and i share your kind of enthusiasm for for that story because you know you know Nick Ehlers would have grown up looking to players like Yannick Hansen or Franz Nielsen or or these these other Danish players who all would have had just such a heavy lift or a big slog to get Denmark into the sort of positions that he, they get to enjoy now. And you know that by leading that qualification tournament with five goals, I think four points, it was, four assists, pardon me, it was nine points, more points than anybody else in that tournament. Not single-handed, like you say, but a real driving force. You know there's people throughout the, the country of Denmark who are looking at this player, this spectacular player, and thinking, well, if he can do it, maybe I can. Representation matters in that kind of way. There's a whole generation of, of, of young Danish players who I think will be looking up to him. And I think that we just got a hint of how much that means to him last season. I mean, he was asked about it a little bit, but I remember Paul Maurice in particular, he was talking about Felix as basically a rock star back at his home saying that we probably don't get that sense from from here in Canada. And you know what? Complete coincidence. I bumped into Nick Ehlers before he flew home for the summer. Not in, like, 
just in the city of Winnipeg. Oh, hi, is that? Oh, yeah, okay. And that was what we talked about, was his desire to go back, represent his country, and really have a strong summer for Team Denmark. It was his focus from that minute, as soon as the win, as Winnipeg was eliminated, moving forward. And I think that that kind of passion being met with that kind of results is going to do wonders for that program. And all I can point at in a complete other way is Leon Gavanka. I've talked to him and the amount of admiration he has in Germany for Leon Dreisler. You get the star, you get the follow-up wave. And I think that's what Elias can be. Okay, this just came to me. This might be a great way to finish up. And I think this might be a good clip for afterwards. Let me ask you this, Marat. Is Nikolai Ehlers to Denmark what Alfonso Davies is to Canada? I mean, you got speed off the wing. You have playmaking for days. You have uh, him playing at an absolutely elite level from a country that doesn't produce that many, that kind of elite players. A bit of an X factor. His team's still very good. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I can I can make that work because Alfonso Dick, obviously incredible superstar and dynamic, but Team Canada has more strength than it's ever had before. And I think that that could be the case in Denmark as well. You give me something to think about here. I, You know what I think about Nikolai Ehlers is I would be worried for all of our sake. We don't make it known to media that we talk to around the country and around the NHL how good this player is right now. I think that there's a danger in us missing celebrating his peak because there's such special players like Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley, Kyle Conn, and other guys in Winnipeg right now. He's that good. He deserves that celebration on a Davies-like level. Well, I, yeah, and I mean, I just think, I mean, like Davies has made such a difference. First of all, such a splash internationally. I mean, Davies is one of the best players in the world, and I'll put Nikolai Ehlers up there from a country that has not normally excelled in this sport, and both of these young men are the leading forces on resurgences from what they're doing. And listen, Ehlers got the job done this summer and his team is playing in the Olympics in a best on best for the first time. And, you know, if our Canadian soccer team can keep going, I mean, Alfonso Davies will be the linchpin if we're going to be doing it, getting to the world cup. And I see some real similarities as to what the Danes just did in hockey and what we're hoping to do in soccer. And, I'll tell you what, considering how good both of those players are, it'll be a fun conversation to have as we go for the rest of this soccer qualifying and watching this jet season. Hey, I'm a fan of burners on all points. And every time I talk to you, I go away like thinking I've learned something. This is the one. I like the connection. Oh, dude, thanks so much for doing this. Have a great weekend. Uh, enjoy the last few days because you know things are going to get real busy in about a week and a half when uh, things get going. Can't wait to see you at the rink and can't wait to do this again soon. Uh, how soon are we going to be able to see uh, part two out in the athletic? Well, the plan is this very day. So it should be by end of day. We're going to have part two with all the fans' decisions for how this should work. Excellent, folks. As soon as you're done Winnipeg Sports Talk, head on over to The Athletic. It should be up shortly. And if you're listening on a replay, it's probably there already. Marat, have a great weekend, pal. Let's do this again soon. Thanks, as always. Thanks, guys. There he is, Marat Atesh of The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter at WPG Marat. Uh, really fun combo. And uh, let's get Remus back in here. You know, we're talking about Ehlers, and it's been so fun, uh, you know, paying attention to you know, some of the Olympic qualifying when it comes to hockey. And I, I couldn't help but think more and more about this soccer team that's trying to do what Canadians haven't done since the 80s. And obviously the Danes had never done before. And, 
you know, more and more, I think the Olympic experience, um, not that Denmark will be expected to be any sort of a real contender to the gold medal, uh, but it will be another tip of the cap and a huge moment for Ehlers personally. Um, and listen, with all the incredible success Alfonso Davies is having internationally as a champion, as a member of Bayern Munich, uh, certainly for him in this country, the ability to help lead Canada to a World Cup, I think, would take uh, what's already a huge growing profile to a whole nother level. Yeah, that was definitely an interesting conversation, interesting uh, comparison you brought up. And we did have a question from GM Carp: Is Denmark better at hockey than Canada is at soccer? And yeah, Denmark currently 12th in the, in the world on the IIHF rankings. They're headed to the Olympics. And no, he can be here's a guy. the thing. Yeah. Here's here's the one thing. All that. I mean, I would say it's very similar because twelfth in hockey. How many nations play hockey in the world, and how many nations play right. soccer? I mean, like I would say that if you're twelfth in hockey, that's probably the equivalent to being in the thirties or forty in soccer. Okay, that's and fair. I know Canada, and I know Canada's. You know, I, I should know this because I've heard these numbers go through. I mean, they were playing. I were either around 50 or 40 or something like that. But the bottom line is that so much of this oh. is based on international competition that we haven't had uh, our top players for. And to be honest, if you date back a few years, our top players weren't really even even the top players yet. So, I mean, now that Alfonso Davies is turning into his front, we've got Jonathan David, Kyle Lahren, I mean, younger players that are stepping up and showing that they can compete at this level on the international stage. I think a lot of the same ways you could be said about about uh, the Danes uh, because they do have a few other players, but Ehlers is certainly the one legit NHL star on that team, and they weren't getting it done if Ehlers didn't do what he did in Norway at that World Cup qualifying tournament. Sorry to Wayne and the Norwegians, uh, but obviously there are a lot of people that are pretty fired up about Nikolai Ehlers' performance. That was great stuff with Murata Tesh, as always. Love having him on the program. Uh, we will get to our cool bet lines in a minute. I do want to give a shout-out to our friends at Assiniboia Downs. I actually should begrudgingly give a shout-out to Remus because I think he killed it at the track last night. I did okay uh, and also had a couple. I guess I bet on a, a, a scratch tour, so got a couple refunded. So I'm a little bit more for the final week. But Assiniboia Downs has just put this out today. You might want to make plans for next week. We're going to head down there for sure. A $1 million single winner jackpot five is offered on the final day of Assiniboia Downs. Here it is. The jackpot five pick, the jackpot pick five carryover is growing and setting up for a big night to close out the uh, 2021 live season. The jackpot now stands at 236 grand, almost 237 going into Monday's program. The Downs is also announcing they're putting up a $1 million guaranteed payout for a single winner on the jackpot pick five on Wednesday, September 15th, if it's not been won on Monday or Tuesday. Uh, Darren Dunn said the million-dollar guaranteed payout was a huge hit with players when we offered it on the Manitoba Derby card. We wanted to do it again as part of the closing week promotions as our fan base has been outstanding again this year that's not all that's planned for next week the pick four pool guarantee will be doubled to 50 grand on all three final days of the meet and in addition the jackpot high five that requires the correct selection of the top five finishers out of the last race of the program is also going to be set to have a mandatory payout the high five pool sits at just about 24k going into monday's card and if not one before wednesday will be a significant addition 
to the payout that night. Again, the final days of Assiniboia Downs Racing, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday next week, starting at 7.30 p.m. You can bet online at hpibet.com. The weather's looking nice. Coming out of this first big weekend of NFL with the Banjo Bowl, one more chance to get, or three more chances, as it were, to get out to Assiniboia Downs. VLTs will be open all year. Terrace Dining Room open, but three more days of live racing with our friends at Assiniboia Downs. All right, Remo, let's get to uh, some cool bet lines for tonight. And uh, it's been a while, but here we have it. The first NFL game of the season. And wow, the Dallas Cowboys now up to nine point underdogs going up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, what are your thoughts on this game tonight, Reem? And a big, big number for the Super Bowl champs to lay on home field. Wow, nine points. Is Dallas that bad? Or is it just we all remember... Uh, the Tampa Bay defense in the Super Bowl. I don't want to bring up bad memories, Hustler, but <laughs> making Patrick, Patrick Mahomes uh, run for his life. That seems like a lot of points. It is a very high total. I don't know. I would probably take the Cowboys. Don't they have, an, like, isn't Dak Prescott, the QB, who was having, like, an MVP caliber season up until he got hurt? They've got great receivers uh, and running back. You think they'd be able to score some points. Or is this this Tampa defense just like that good? I don't know. I would probably lean Cowboys here. I'm just, I'm I'm, I'm, like ta- so I'm taking many. the points. I'm taking the points there. And again, <laughs> that's going to surprise absolutely no one. Yeah. Um, and I will say first and foremost, nobody ever got rich betting against Tom Brady consistently. But I do think this is maybe a little bit of an overreaction. Uh, and the other thing is the Dallas can score. I mean, nine point number. I mean, even if they're down 14, 15 in the fourth quarter, I mean, I could totally see a backdoor coming in here. Um, But this is going to be a big test for the Cowboys because their offense, you know, when healthy is legit. I mean, it was borderline elite that the numbers Prescott was putting up injured last year were, I mean, set, and again, you extrapolate over 16 games. It doesn't always happen that way, but, you know, was going to smash NHL records. I think he was on pace for like 7,000 yards passing in the season. And that's not going to happen tonight, but they can put up points. To me, the big question is, has the Dallas Cowboys improved their defense enough to hang with teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Yeah, so, sorry, I got a uh, got some distractions happening at home, home today, but... Um... <laughs> Yeah, looking forward to uh, the game tonight. I'm just going through some of the props. I mean, some heavy, I mean, heavy total here, 52 points. Dak, 295 yards. I mean, they're from behind. You have to think he's just going to be chucking the ball. So I would probably lean, you know, some of the prop bets, like receiving, um, you know, Cooper, 64 and a half, seems seems low, C.D. Lamb. And then what's Gallup at? I mean, Cooper, 64 and a half, uh, seems kind of low, so. I mean, I would probably go over on these Dallas props I'm, if you think they're going to be from behind. I'm looking at some of the uh, of the adjusted line. I mean, you can get Dallas plus 10 and a half at only minus 135. Um, I, I will say this, though. The Super Bowl champion usually wins this game. Um, and I don't want to say in a romp. I mean, obviously, it depends on who they're playing. And we've had a whole bunch of different matchups. But it is a pretty juicy one for uh, for tonight. And... I can't remember who it was saying, and I think it was one of the guys I was on with yesterday. 
is that maybe this would have been better, you know, if it was at the beginning of October and they'd had a few games to sort of get, you know, get going. Uh, because Dak Prescott did not play very much in the preseason. I think they just, you know, we're going to try and keep him, keep him healthy. Uh, but I mean, you roll out Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb and Zeke Elliott. Um, they'll be at Michael Gallup, of course. They they can put up points. So that's a huge, huge point spread for today, for tonight's NFL kickoff. But really, Remus, what everyone has been talking about when it comes to the NFL has been the uh, the entertainment tonight. Uh, is the NFL more excited about Tom Brady and Dak Prescott or Ed Sheeran's performance tonight at the opener? This is one of the more bizarre things I've I've seen, and I get it for the halftime show of the Super Bowl. Um, you want to cater? It's the most watched show um out there. You want to cater to everyone, so you're gonna bring in, you know, Beyonce or Madonna or some act, um, you know, Bruno Mars that's gonna appeal to the masses. But this is game one, and I'm, you know, really surprised. Uh, here we can bring up the picture. This has been going all over Twitter yesterday. Ed Sheeran is like the entertainment for kickoff, and here they are selling. Like Ed Sheeran kickoff 2021 merch. You can get a a hat with a that's a Sheeran and NFL logo, a t-shirt, a satin jacket. Like who's buying this? I You I, know I, who's buying it? This yeah. is gonna be you know how we've said that there's all those funny punishments for losing your fantasy league? Yeah. This, like, folks, what you do is you buy one of these Ed Sheeran NFL kickoff jackets. And the loser of your fantasy league has to wear that out every time you go out until the next year's fantasy season. I like, you know, Ed Sheeran. He's talented. He's one of the few guys who, like, plays his own instruments and sings and writes songs. I mean, great artist. But he's not, like, his his demographic isn't, you know, male NFL fan. So... Uh, are they trying to, you know, make NFL kickoff like as big as the Super Bowl? Is that what they're trying to do? <laughs> I guess. Like that's who you're getting. At, and but then I'm also thinking, like, who are the big, you know, rock stars uh, that are pl- around these days? I'm not. I'm not sure. Are there still any? I mean, you got to look at some of these festivals. But let me ask you this: yeah. Is there any musical act? Period that you would put on that, like, take away Sheeran and, like, yeah. what, Lady Gaga, Metallica. So, I mean, no. it's just a bizarre, Sorry. bizarre <laughs> collab, if you will, any, between the NFL and right. who they are. I, I would agree. Any musical act and and NFL shield on a T-shirt is weird. Uh, that <laughs> is that a weird, like, are people buying this? I'm curious what the sales are. Like, we can go through the responses to the NFL. <laughs> and the best. Uh, By the way, the jacket on the lower left, yeah. Uh, Rob Lowe would love that jacket. Though. Yeah. Well, I keep seeing like Rob Rob Lowe. Uh, oh, here's first tweet. You know, Rob Lowe's going to lose his mind. And then here's the picture <laughs> of, of someone photoshopped Rob Lowe wearing the Kieran hat. Like people are are having fun with this. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't know. And then here, let me see. There was the uh, like the picture that they tweeted out. Yeah, the heads. Uh-huh. Yeah, get that one up. Because that was the first, and I had no idea that this was happening. I I just didn't, I mean, whatever. I just, you know, it's the Bucks and the Cowboys and can't wait for Thursday. And it's the first game. And then this picture came across my timeline and I was, <laughs> there it is. Yeah, this is, this is Brady, weird, man. Prescott, Sheeran, icons of the National Football League. <laughs> yeah, this is weird. So like, I don't. I don't know what the marketing behind this is. I guess like they're trying to get the casual fan 
to come in, but like this picture is so <laughs> I I don't know. It's so odd. I see it's sponsored by Madden 22. What uh yeah. what do you think Ed Sheeran's rating is? For Madden? Uh, for, for, for Madden this year. Is he a free agent? Can uh, you he, sign him? <laughs> is he a yeah, is he an Madden like ultimate team? Can you get him as a playable character? I know he's like British. Maybe he could be a kicker, or is that stereotyping? Um Christopher Matt triple threat match poster. Exactly. It literally does look like it's something like, at WrestleMania. Brady versus Prescott versus Sheeran in a cage. Yeah, it looks like it could be SummerSlam or something. So and these pictures, like they are so like picking like the sexiest pictures of these guys too. It almost looks like a I'm like thinking like boy band as well with Dak Prescott with the side head tilt. So this is yeah, it's it's odd odd marketing I think to be marketing Ed Sheeran that that hard like it's almost here. That's the tweet. It's almost here! Exclamation Ed Sheeran at NFL kickoff. <laughs> Well, uh, anyways, I, I, we sort of got sidetracked. Or sorry, go ahead, Marie. I, I think it's nothing against Ed Sheeran. Like, great artist, great talent, extremely talented. He's worked hard, but, like, know your – he's just not the demographic. His demographic isn't NFL fan, unless he's coming out with different kind of music. Um, back to Cool Bet for one second. This line continues. I guess people are just blindly hammering Brady in the box going into this game. Uh, it's now nine and a half. At minus 111, and as I mentioned, you can get 10.5, and, and going from 9.5 to 10.5 in an NFL game is such a huge move because of the way the scoring works, a little unlike the Canadian Football League. So um, we ride with the Cowboys tonight. We'll see what happens if they can keep it close. I'm looking forward to it. If you're thinking about it, I had a couple texts uh, or DMs yesterday on Twitter asking about, you know, uh, making some wagers on the upcoming season. Uh, most of your regs already know this, but if you're looking for a great spot, I've been doing all my betting on Cool Bet for the last couple of years. Most transparent book out there. Uh, quick payouts, great customer service. And we do have a special promo code. If you uh, haven't played a cool bet before, we're going to double your first deposit up to $200, a 100% bonus. Simply use the promo code WST, and you can do that at, uh, at coolbet.com. Uh, and speaking of cool bet, cool bet, Chris, our good friend, he's coming into town. Dustin Nielsen's coming into town. He's popped on for a couple minutes earlier today before the audio gremlin got both of us. Um, we're doing a live show at the lo- uh, little live lock shop uh, tomorrow, kicking around our NFL week one picks with Dusty in town, Boston Pizza City Place. Going to get it going about seven o'clock tomorrow night. So if you are if you're wide open on Friday, want to pop down for some wings, a couple cold ones. We would love to see you there sort of serve as a little de facto WST meetup now that we're able to do that. And uh, we'll plan a couple more, hopefully for some big games throughout the season few Boston pizzas, maybe a few other things. And by the way, uh, if you are, though, downtown tomorrow, you also might want to check out Little Brown Jug. Big Pride patio party as well, getting ready for Pride Week. Great to see what they're doing to uh, to support the cause. Um, all right, Remo, before we go, and you know what? I may as well pull up the odds while we're on Cool Bet. What are the Jays tonight? Plus 108 again. Uh, I'll bury Horowitz myself a little bit. Nice little 3-0 and night with those picks I gave out on the lock shop yesterday. Lloyd Harris plus 6.5 in tennis. That one cashed. We had the Canada over El Salvador and El Salvador clean sheet. That one cashed. And then it was the Blue Jays who did it again last night. And I got to tell you, Reem, this last week has been somewhat magical for Toronto. They're on the verge of a sweep of the New York Yankees. 
They're once again an underdog tonight. Uh, but when you go and look at the Major League Baseball standings in the wild card, oh, funny what a difference a week makes. The Jays only a game and a half out right now and can pull within a half a game of the New York Yankees if they win tonight. There is no hotter team in the bigs right now than the boys from Toronto. Yeah, it's pretty uh, incredible how they've kind of just gone on this win streak now and really put them in great position here in the wildcard race. And as I pull it up on the screen for us on YouTube, sorry guys on podcast, they're one and a half back behind Boston and the Yankees. And they do have a game tonight against the Yankees. And also, you know, we, we all always forget the Red Sox and Yankees have games against each other remaining. So someone's going to be <laughs> lose. Those are guaranteed losses for one of those teams. So, I mean, they're in they're in really good spot, and uh, I think the playoff odds for them are going up. I know Seattle is kind of keeping pace with them. I I mean, look at their run differential. It's terrible, minus 53. You'd have to think um, they're not a playoff team, but the Jays, again, their run differential is among the best, uh, best in the American League, at, you know, third. So I, th- I think we've talked all year, law of averages, said, hey, this team is going to go on a run, well, they're on it right now. Seven game win streak and Yankees on a five game losing streak and they can they're going opposite ways and they can continue that uh, tonight. Yeah, looking forward to that. We'll talk some more Jays tomorrow. We'll see what happens tonight. And then they get the Orioles uh, on the weekend. I believe a four game set. So it'll be incumbent that they continue to uh, play well, take advantage of the fact that you know, the Orioles are coming to town and uh, who knows, we could be talking about a team defending a wild card spot by the time we have another program coming out of the weekend. Um, hey, before we go, we were talking a lot of Jets with Marat, but the hockey club did put out a press release today discussing the promo schedule for the upcoming season. Home opener is on the 21st of October. Um, Some of the usual things they do, Canadian Armed Forces Night in November, Hockey Fights Cancer Month is in November, Big Toy Drive on the 14th, Go Green Night on the 8th, Hockey Talks, Gender Equality, Pride Night, the Next Generation Game, I'm not exactly sure what that means, Uh, the WASAC, the Winnipeg Aboriginal Sports Achievement Centre Game, which is the fourth annual and has actually turned out to be one of the coolest nights of the year when it comes to uh, events in the building and those jerseys uh, they put together that was done by uh, some indigenous artists were uh, a big hit with fans. Looking forward to that fan appreciation night. But the giveaways, I know that's what people are really interested in. Here are the dates that you want to know before you go and pick your uh, season tickets or break it up with your friends. October 23rd, second game is that Scotiabank scarf night. The November 9th game they're doing Heritage License Plate Keychains. December 19th is a Snow Globe giveaway. January 27th are posters. And Remo, you mentioned the posters, I would imagine, uh, will be Winnipeg Jets representing their comp- their countries, respective countries, at the Olympic Games. Yeah, well, I remember 2014, you know, they handed out the Soaring in Sochi poster, which I have uh, mounted somewhere. It might be in my parents' basement. Uh, who did it have? Frolik, Pavlik, uh, Wheeler, and one other person. Um, I forget who. Anyways, uh, so I wonder if that'll be it, because usually the All-Star poster, that is right before the All-Star game, too, and there is an All-Star game this year. It is in Vegas, and then right after that, it is the... It is the break. Um, so that I'm interested in that. The bobblehead, who will be immortalized in a Jets 
a bobblehead. Line A was the last one in the canceled shortened season. And um, so we'll have to wait and see. The snow, I'm, the snow globe sounds new. I don't know what that is, but I'm, I'm intrigued. The snow globe, you know what a snow globe no, is? No. Like they'll have I, some I know, jets things. And, you I know. know what a snow globe is, but like, how are they, they going to do it? What's going to be in it? I'm, what's it going to yeah, be like? Is it going to be a logo, a player? Mickey Moose. Yeah. You, know, you never know. There's, you there's never a lot, know. Yeah. What's the creative going to be? I mean, duh. I know, I know what a snow globe is, Huss. Hey, let's get some guests. Who will be who will be the bobblehead next? Has there been a Hellebuck bobblehead? Yeah, I think so. I've lost track. I started collecting like the first. I have like Lad, Buff, uh, Pavlik. I don't um, think there's been a Hellebuck. Shifley, Truba. I think there, there's yeah, those. There's... I don't think. Hell, didn't Hellebuck have like a, was there a mini one on the moose? Yeah, yeah, but I'm talking about a jet, like the full, yeah. the full Hellebuck. It's, it's got it. It's got to be Connor, Hellebuck, yeah, or Kyle Connor. Which Connor? I mean, the guy won the Vesna. Can we put some respect on his name or put some respect on his bobblehead? That's, yeah. uh, <laughs> I don't know. Too bad. Uh, you know, too bad. It's like not the year after he won the Vesna, or you could do like a bobblehead of him holding the Vesna. That would be sweet. Oh. Yeah, what a it's, great I, idea! I you could have done that last year, but again, there wasn't it. So maybe they do that this year. Yeah, I'm. I'm curious. So uh, I'm. Maybe they, they did, save it for next year. They can get doing. He could have the Vesna and a cup. Yeah, they did also announce <laughs> as um, the games they're going to be wearing the new Heritage Blue jerseys for. So fourteen you, of them, folks. Fourteen times a, this year. That's a lot of games. Holy, how, that's almost as many. Um, I guess there's forty. Sorry, there are forty. That's like almost half of the of the home games. They're rocking these uh, blue jerseys, so they have the dates here. And it's thirty five percent by my calculation. Yeah, you. It's pretty good. It's pretty good math right there. That was quick. <laughs> these are jerseys are sharp, and uh, yeah, man. There, I'm looking forward to seeing those. I like when they did those Heritage Nights where they would, um, you know, have uh, Benny come out and do all the retro themed stuff. So, uh, love those jerseys for this year. Yeah, uh, and of course, they are doing a big push for tickets right now. Not something they've done in the past, but I think, you know, due to the pandemic and some people uh, falling off, um, certainly need people's supports on tickets. They're actually doing a referral program right now. Actually, now that I think about it, I am a season ticket holder. If you'd like to be referred, let me know. Fire me, uh, <laughs> gonna, fire me, fire me a DM. We'll see. I didn't really look and see what the prizes are for referring, but uh, we can share the wealth here. I mean, the more the merrier. Come on down. See if you can get in your section 316. It's where all the fun happens in the upper bowl. You got a uh, promo code? You can I, tell everyone I to do. give you. I don't. We should, we should the promo talk to code the we have is for Coolbet, WST. But, uh, uh, and who knows? Maybe there would be a chance where we could do a game night or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, if there is the ability to group tickets. I mean, that was one of the things that changed so much going from the Moose days into the Winnipeg Jets days. I mean, you know, listen, I started talking tickets and then corporate sales and sponsorships back in the day with the moose. And, you know, we grinded out. There's a lot of work and talking to a lot of people and putting together some really great outings. But the minute the drive to 13,000 happened and essentially the building was full every night, there was simply no opportunities to do that. So, um, you know, I know they'd rather have everything sold in advance and, you know, have the place full of season tickets and with ticket packages. But if that's not the case, Certainly not out of the question that we might be able to do uh, some sort of a group night at some point for a game. Uh, we could definitely do it for the Moose sometime. Uh, thinking about Assiniboia Downs, Gold Eyes next mm. year. No chance to do that this weekend with the Bombers because, of course, 
the bomber game is sold out for the banjo bowl man it is going to be an awesome awesome weekend um we got to get uh, get going. Uh, anything else before the end? Uh, what, what's this yeah. trailer for the Matrix Resurrection that you're talking oh, about? Okay, and in, Frost, a, in a not sports comment. Yeah, well, a couple sports things. One, I think we got to give a shout out to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Had their inductions in the afternoon on a Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, like who's coming up with that? Like I barely even knew they were going. They wanted on. to make the five uh, five o'clock local news. That seems odd, but Larry Walker has. Um, I don't know if he like loves SpongeBob or what, but like remember when he got his phone call to be in the Hall of Fame? He was wearing like a SpongeBob uh, yes. t shirt. Okay. <laughs> Yesterday at the Hall Marvel of Fame. Shang-Chi is the uh, one movie uh, in some the world. Autoplay videos going. Experience the phenomenon. Uh, sorry, stupid internet. Like these autoplay videos. Um Oh yeah, here at the Hall of Fame, he's wearing a SpongeBob pin. I don't know what his love of spongebob is but check out this pin he's wearing so larry walker not only repping canada repping repping spongebob i'm not a big spongebob guy but uh i don't know i gotta respect it i guess (laughs) i'll tell you what i just respect larry walker so cool to see him get in second canadian joining fergie jensen jenkins in the canadian baseball hall of fame but maybe even a bit more special, certainly to my generation who remembered Larry as one of the great expos um, during those years where Major League Baseball was in Montreal. And I certainly hope in my lifetime that uh, there is baseball in Montreal back once again. And if it does happen, contributions of guys like Hall of Famer Larry Walker will be a big, big part of it. I just wanted to mention that, but yeah, I did put in. So the new trailer, the trailer for the new Matrix movie comes out. Uh, Frosty was asking a chat before the show. I was like, oh, it's on the show plan. I'm a huge fan of the first one. Second one, I mean, they got progressively worse, but the first one is- There was three of them? Yeah, there's there's three of them. Um, Now, let me see. Let's see my information, my knowledge of the Matrix. Keanu Reeves was in it? Yeah. Yeah. Sandra Bullock as well? No, that's, she's in Speed. Oh, speed. Okay, no. Yeah. Uh, but I do believe, I think he was Neo, right? And he yeah, did. They had Neo. all that crazy effects where he yeah. did like the Karate Kid crane kick, like moving through bullets <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, when it came out in 99, it was like something you'd never seen before. And they had the sequels. Um, so they're coming up with a new one, you know, 20 plus years later. They had the trailer today. Uh, is Keanu I'm, in it again? Is this like it. the remake of Bill and Ted's? Like, are they just basically doing every movie that Keanu Reeves did back 20 years ago and cranking <laughs> them out again? I mean, he's been doing John Wick, which I think is basically the same the same thing as the Mage, like same style. I've never seen it, but um, I'm looking forward to it. The, the internet is very hyped uh, on the trailer. It's him. Uh, Carrie on Moss is the girl. Lawrence Fishburne was the male character. I don't think he's in the new one. I haven't dug into it too much, but... I'm looking for, I remember going to the second one, like I skipped school and, or like ditched early and like went in the afternoon. So, uh, I will be, I said uh, like months ago, I'm never going to a theater again for a movie, but I will be going for Jackass four, which actually just got postponed till February because why did one of those guys kill themselves or put them in a hospital for six months? I think pandemic concerns. They want to get as full theaters as possible. I was like, I'll, I'll go in October. I mean, Oh really? I thought you said the jackass guys were really scared of COVID and like, didn't want to go out and do things. So, you know, they weren't comfortable filming the movie because of the virus after trying to kill themselves on a daily basis with every single stupid ass stunt they did over the course of 15 year run. Some they're still, they're still going. So that's Mm -hmm. it. But the made new matrix, I'll, see around christmas for sure 
in theaters. So I completely forgot this movie was even coming, but it is it is trending, and uh, I wanted to talk about it. So it's on. The I list. could I couldn't care less about the movies as most people know, but I'll tell you what about the theater. And I see Schickster talking about the Grant Park, uh, yes. the landmark Grant Park Theater. That's amazing. You know what I would love to see there? Can you imagine if they put the Olympic hockey games in a theater like oh. that? Like that, that would be, I would pay, I'd pay 20 bucks or 25 bucks to go and see a game in that sort of a theater what? with fans in a great spot with a huge screen. They should do that. There's, there's your million dollar idea landmark. Yeah, we should, we should give them a call house. We should start selling tickets right now. Great. It's a great <laughs> idea. You know, someone it's been a lot of, but uh, surprisingly a lot of good ideas that have come out today are uh, Ehlers Davies comparison. Yeah. Great cup with Murat. And uh, yeah, people say that would be great. Great idea, Huss. Maybe we'll re- just reserve it for WST. Well, we can do our we'll do, we'll do our own little showing of one of the games. They'll all be at like two in the morning, so it's not like they would normally. We wouldn't be taking the spot of people that would normally be watching a movie. I never went to one of those things in a theater. I know they would always have like NFL games at a theater, or a Super Bowl. They used to have like wrestling. WWE. They used to have yeah. wrestling at a theater. I never, I never did one of those, but I would do. Olympic hockey, that's really fun. Or I could, yeah, I think that would be pretty sweet. That'd be fun. Well, we'll work on that. Another thing we'll work on yeah. behind the scenes. The I thing mean, that we are working on right now is tomorrow, seven o'clock, Friday night, Boston Pizza City place, a little lock shop taping. Myself, Remus, Dustin Nielsen, Chris Abbott going to be down there. Would love to meet you, especially some of the folks we know so well. Leighton, I see you're coming into town. Get on down there and join us if, uh, if you're in town by then. Uh, but it'll be fun just to Put some names to faces, some YouTube handles to faces. Uh, uh, cheers, y'all, and uh, thank you for uh, uh, listening. And uh, just hang out a little bit before we uh, get into the Banjable. We'll definitely be down there for a couple hours. So if you can make it, we would love to see you. Uh, we'll get going. That'll take us kind of 30, 45 minutes to bang out the picks, hang out and have a few beers after that, some pizza, some wings with our friends down at Boston Pizza City Place. Uh, big thanks to uh, everyone for uh, being with us today. Thanks to DB, Dustin Nielsen, Murata Tesh, of course, Manitoba Battery, Little Brown Jug, Royal Sports, Canadian Club. Do not forget, go to the Instagram page at Sports Talk WPG to make sure you're entered We'll be uh, picking our finalists and doing the draw tomorrow. We're not the draw. We'll do a marble race at the end of tomorrow's show for an unbelievable Canadian Club Chronicles 42-year-old bottle of whiskey. Uh, just under $300 value. Not Autocorp, the Nick and Nicky DQ group, BP, see you tomorrow there. Assiniboia Downs, and of course, CoolBet.com. Folks, enjoy the game tonight. I am taking the points in case you were wondering, not sure if I can stomach the over, which is now I think up to 52. All I know is it's great to have the NFL back. It's going to be great to see many of you tomorrow at Boston Pizza. Banjo Bowl sold out on Saturday. NFL Sunday, week one coming up. This is what it's all about. We've been waiting for it. This weekend is here. Cannot wait for it. Folks, have a great night. Enjoy game one of the NFL schedule. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 1 o'clock, live on YouTube on Winnipeg Sports Talk, and hopefully see you tomorrow night at Boston Pizza City Place. Adios, and have a great one. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 